This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnell of Dogman.com with Chris Fatter, Scott Eklund, and we are through week one of fall camp. It almost seems like winter camp because the weather has definitely changed for those who are not in Seattle. Unfortunately, we're not able to view much. We had our second um, 20 minutes of practice available on Friday, which, guys, it's... Uh, it's not even stretching, but uh, not much going on when we're able to get there. But basically, it's just for B-roll for TV and uh, get some pictures. We've got Monica out there with a high-powered camera. Just not a lot to see. But, you know, fortunately, UW's been pretty good with us. We're able to get in for that. We're able to get our own stuff. And um, a lot of schools in the Pac-12 haven't even been able to get inside the stadium to take pictures, to take the B-roll. So, you know, hats off to UW, you know, the sports information people, they're doing the best they can. They've been real accommodating to us within the limitations. So, um, like I said, we're getting more, as limited as it is, we're getting more than a lot of the schools in the Pac-12. So we'll take what we can get. But uh, through the first week of practice, we've had the Zoom calls. Chris, what are we getting, five a week, is it, on the Zoom calls? Um, yeah, we're getting basically calls with either Coach Lake or offensive and defensive coaches and players roughly every day, but Saturday and Monday. So we're, you know, while a lot of people are watching Seahawks and whatnot, we might be on a call talking to some players and coaches. But for the most part, yeah, it's been, uh, I think we get them Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. So it's been, um, it's been a pretty strong kind of return because, you know, obviously it's been going from zero to 60 uh, pretty quickly here in terms of just uh, not having a lot of contact with the with the team and the program to all of a sudden having it ramped up really, really quickly. So uh, but it's been good. It's been great, obviously, to get back into the swing of things and uh, obviously plenty to still talk. And for those who aren't used to, you know, the Zoom calls or just a little bit about how it works with us, basically, we're given a link. We dial in on our computer and, uh, we, uh, for the most part, unless somebody forgets, we turn the video off so it's audio only and we can see a list of who is on the calls. They set the player or the coach down and there's video of that and there's a little feature on there where we just click raise your hand and that, uh, notifies the moderator, which is usually the SID, Jeff Backtold or Brian Tom and they will Call on us. They will unmute our mic. We'll ask the question. And when we're done asking the question, we're muted again and they move on to the next one. So that's just a little bit about how it's working. But, Scott, with the guys that we've had access to this week, anything jump out at you? Anything memorable from this week that uh, jumps out? Uh, not a lot. I guess um, seeing uh, Jackson Kirkland without pads on or anything like that, you can tell that he has completely reshaped his body. He was so 
his body was just completely different and you can just see it the way he's got a lot of definition in his arms and his and and you know I'm talking about a you know a guy right now but talk just talking about the definition in his arms and his and the way his chest is and his he isn't as barrel chested as he was before he looks really really good and and the coaches and um Luke Wattenberg is the other offensive lineman we've talked to so far and all of them have commented on how good he looks physically and how he's able to move. Hey, Scott is, you know, getting down to a little nuts and bolts, but say that left tackle position and uh, you've got um, uh, Nate Kaleppo over there. Is Bulo on the left side or is he on the right side? No, Nate Kaleppo's at guard. He's at left guard and uh, Troy Fa'utanu and Roger Rosengarten are the two other uh, left tackles. Let's say Sam Hewitt comes in and he's the starting quarterback next year. Um, left tackle is usually your blind side, but Sam Hewitt being a lefty, blind side would be the right tackle. Is it any difference? I, I mean, does a left tackle be- become the right tackle? Do you put your best tackle out on the right side with a left-handed quarterback? How's that work? Um, you know, I that's a really good question. I think some teams might do something like that, and other teams won't. I think a lot of it de- depends on how the guy who would be playing left tackle translates to right tackle and when i when i say that it mean what i mean by that is that it's a complete opposite try mirroring what you do normally and then try mirroring that to the doing it the exact opposite way that you did it before it's not as easy as people oh yeah they can just move them right no that isn't exactly how it goes if you're used to doing your pass drops as a left tackle it's the exact opposite as a right tackle so kind of like a boxer uh, that's right-handed don't go in southpaw yeah yeah exactly yeah. like rocky did he he's a southpaw and he he fought righty yeah. <laughs> in the second fight against uh against apollo creed but anyway we're talking fictional characters here but um the other thing to consider is most offenses and, and i've heard hugh millen say this in hardcore football so many times most offenses are right-handed meaning their strong side of their offense is to the right now yes you want to protect the left-handed quarterback's blind side but even more so are you going to completely change your offense so now the strong side of your offense is the left side I don't know if that's going to be the case so it's a different skill set that right tackles have that left tackles don't have and vice versa so I think at this point in time, if a guy's playing left tackle, you leave him at left tackle and you figure out how to make sure Sam Heward's blind side is covered if he is indeed your starter. Hey, Chris, with the conversations that we've had this week, anything jump out at you, anything memorable or that uh, you really took note of or maybe opened your eyes a little bit? Well, I mean, on Friday we got our, our chance to talk to Jimmy Lake and – um I asked him a question about having some some bigger running backs in the mix, which is obviously something that's that's fairly new to 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 what's going on. Just because you know you've had you know when you go back to to what Chris Peterson had to start with and how they've recruited, um, it's mostly been like Miles Gaskin has been the guy, um, but they've also had Sean McGrew and and some of these other smaller backs. But now you see Kamari Pleasant at two thirty. You see Javon Forward, a walk-on freshman at like 220, 225. You even see Richard Newton bulking up and is now 210 plus. Um, I think Cameron Davis is at least 200 or whatnot. And I asked uh, Jimmy about that and, and he said, yeah, it's interesting. You, uh, 
there's a reason you you know to to kind of keep going with the boxing thing that Scott started. Uh, Jimmy said you can't. Uh, there's a reason that heavyweights don't uh, don't fight fly, uh, lightweights, and so I think he kind of intimated there that uh, he likes the idea of running downhill with bigger backs, so that by the fourth quarter he really has the defense worn out, and they can control the clock, control the game, and and do other things with it. So. Um, I think, and that also goes hand in hand with the, a lot of the bigger offensive linemen. I know we'll talk about a little bit later, right. but I think yeah. that that's really stood out as overall maybe the size of the team, especially on offense. And then obviously the the quarterback battle is such an unknown right now, and it looks like all four are getting equal turns according to, to Coach Lake, and and it really does feel like it it could be a situation where they they might be even tempted to try more than one quarterback against Cal I, I think John Donovan doesn't want to do that I think he'd love to be able to name a starter now if he could right. if one guy had separated themselves but but right now it really feels like it's completely up in the air let's go ahead and dive into the quarterback competition there's you know four of them over there with uh, Dylan Morris um, Jacob Sermon uh uh, Thompson and uh, Garbers, but I mean, it's kind of tough to get a read, but right now, um, I mean, without much available to us, Scott, how are you seeing this thing shake out? Well, you know, I think a lot of it's going to depend on what Donovan is actually looking for from his quarterback. I, I think what a lot of people don't think of is, you know, when you hear a guy like Kevin Thompson comes in and he's unheralded and, and, you know, he, he wasn't that big of a recruit coming out of high school. He went to Sac State. Then he has a good, a good, pretty good career, but he comes in kind of as an afterthought during the summer. And you think, and you kind of blow it off and just say, oh, he's just for depth. They've already got Jacob Sermon. They've got Dylan Morris and they've got Ethan Garbers, all of whom were four star quarterbacks. And then all we've heard is Kevin Thompson has gone out and made a bunch of plays and he can run the ball a little bit better than, than the other three. And I think that's something that the coaches are going to give give a long look to. And Jimmy even said on uh, Friday that, hey, you might see two quarterbacks – or I'm sorry, on, on Wednesday, he said it on his show, you might see two quarterbacks come out and play um, in that in, in that Cal game. And because if they don't have their quarterback, if they don't – if they're not 100% set on it, then they're going to use – um, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about how Dylan Morris has done this this week, um, and, or just in camp in general. I've, you know, and and uh, Jimmy Lake uh, made some comments on Friday about Jacob Sermon uh, making a play that he pointed out to the whole team, a quick decision that turned into a big play. So, lots of competition. I don't think that he or John Donovan are going to tip their hand, and and he go and both of them have said we're going to know who our quarterback is. Way before, well, well before the Cal game, but nobody's going to really know until they walk that guy out the first, the first, uh, play. And Chris, I, you know, with this quarterback situation, let's go ahead and dive back into the running backs because we've heard a lot, you know, with Jimmy Lake talking about this being a run heavy offense, you know, pounding it, pounding it, pounding it and get those linebackers to creep up and then hit them deep. But, you know, with um, the size of the offensive line, who Jimmy says is going to definitely be the biggest in the conference and one of the biggest in the country, and a lot of talent, not experienced talent, but there's a lot of talent in that offensive line. Look at that stable of running backs. Do you think that they have the horses there to rotate the guys in, to pound it, pound it, pound it, suck the linebackers up, and then throw it over the top? 
I think they do for sure. I mean, I, I know play action could be a big part of this offense and, and certainly, uh, Lake has talked about being aggressive downfield, taking vertical shots. So play action would obviously be something that could play into that. Um, but yeah, they, you know, just a, a, even talking to Sean McGrew, um, yesterday or day before, he even talked about the size of that group and, and how he could be used as more of a change of pace back and not that, Maybe he wasn't in that role, maybe kind of to begin with because of his size and his ability to kind of play behind the offensive line. But these guys are so huge now that it really takes on almost a, a not a different meaning, but a, but an enhanced meaning, uh, because these other guys are just pounding and pounding and pounding. And, you know, you look at Richard Newton and what he was able to do, especially in the red zone, third downs. And we saw what not having Richard Newton, like against Oregon, for instance, um, really did in terms of impacting the offense and the ability to, to gain key third downs. Um, and what's interesting is Kamari Pleasant was supposed to be that backup guy in the Wildcat, and he's now 230, and um, but yet he still needs to really show that he can play behind his pads because he may be 230, but if he's not moving piles, I don't know how, how worthwhile it is to be that big right. for him. Right. Um, I think another thing is, is we'll see how they, how they work out of the backfield in terms of the checkdowns, in terms of the ability to catch passes in the flat and make something happen in one-on-one type situations. So there's a really, there's so many good things coming out of the running back group, but you've got four legitimate guys because you add Cameron Davis into that mix. We saw him at the end of the season at the Vegas Bowl scoring a touchdown. And, um, you know, they've, they've got, they've got bodies. They've got bodies to, to make it happen and, um, I, I'm almost just as intrigued to see how they use the running backs as they are how they're going to use the quarterback. Hey, Chris, one of the things, you know, just little subtleties, it just seems like when Jimmy Lake is talking to us and Cam Davis's name is brought up, he always gets a little bit of a smile thing going on. We don't, we haven't been able to see a lot of him, but I kind of get the feeling that uh, he could be a surprise this season because, like I said, Cam Davis, he gets a little bit of a smile going. Have you noticed that? Well, he does, and he mentioned he – I don't remember if he said it was the play of the practice on Friday or or something to that effect, maybe one of his favorite plays. But there's clearly an idea that Cameron Davis is going to add something to that running back mix. And we know how Keith Bonifal likes to run with the hot hand if they're available. He likes to be able to mix things up. And I think that may go hand in hand with how John Donovan would want to really kind of take, you know, hey, look, Cameron Davis, you've got this series. Richard Newton, you've got this series. Sean McGrew, you've got this series. And based on where they're at in the game, what quarter they're in, what the down and distance situation is, what the score is, you could see a lot of mixing and matching. But yet at the same time, I think you could see some of these guys get prolonged action for series at a time, depending on how successful they are. And Cameron Davis feels to me maybe the most complete back of all of those guys, because when you look at McGrew, he's even talked about himself as being more of a change-up situational guy. We've seen Newton be that third-down red zone kind of guy, but can he be an every-down guy? Sure, I, I think he has that potential, but he's been so kind of utilized in that specific role he needs to kind of break out a little bit too. And then Kamari Pleasant, we know he's kind of that guy that fills in when needed, but could he be an every down back? It right. seems to me that Cameron Davis might have the opportunity to break out and be that guy that could 
end up being an every down back, much like in 2015 when we saw with Miles Gaskin kind of come in and be that every down back when you still had veterans that were in that group that I'm not sure Bonifa felt as comfortable with as he did with a younger guy that showed he was versatile, showed he was tough, showed he could play between the, the tackles and could do a lot of, a lot of those things right. And Scott, when you take a look at the running game, you know, the offensive line, of course, is going to be key. And I think that's one of the reasons that we will see a run heavy game in this new offense, in the pro style offense. But, you know, go over some of these guys on the offensive line, the size, the experience. And um, there's a lot of young guys who've had a little bit of experience, but uh, they're going to be leaned on a lot this year. Yeah, the well, the two most experienced guys, uh, Jackson Kirkland and Luke Wattenberg, even though they're returning starters, they're starting at spots they've never started at in college. And to my knowledge, Luke Wattenberg never played center even in high school. So this is going to be a brand new position for him. And, uh, so even, even though there's two returning starters, they've never started in college at the spots that they're at. And then, um, you know, MJ Ale has shown a lot of promise and everybody's really excited about the fact that he's 350 pounds and real light on his feet and he can move and, Jimmy was saying on his show earlier this week that, uh, you know, he just get out of his way. Don't get in his way. He didn't want any of his defensive guys to get hurt by MJ Allhag when he's pulling around. Um, but, you know, he has yet to really do it in a game. Can he pick up line, line stunts by the defensive line? Can he pick up the audibles? Can he do all the different things he needs to do? Now, luckily, he'll be between Luke Wattenberg and Jackson Kirkland, so they should be able to help him a little bit with the translation on things. Henry Bainavalu is a guy who's got three starts under his belt at uh, right guard, and he'll be your starter most likely there at right guard. And then you've got Vic Kern and Julius Bulo battling it out for right tackle. I think Vic Kern probably has the lead there, but he's doesn't have an ideal tackle body. I think he's more of a guard from a body standpoint. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see how it all works out. Lots of big guys, big athletic, athletic guys, but how they gel and come together I think is going to be a big thing for this offense and and then how guys like Corey Luciano who Scott Huff was very effusive of earlier this week when he talked about if uh Luciano coming in and and really having a good camp so far he was really excited about him he loves Mateo Mele and his versatility he could go out and play left tackle he's going to be at uh center at least for the time being you know, there's a lot of good players on this team and talent, but there just hasn't been a lot of guys who've been able to to get a lot of reps. So this is really going to be can they gel yep. and 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 come together before this Cal game. Scott, earlier in the year or even uh, last fall, once the um, Huskies got a commitment from Miles Morale, um, you – you went out on a limb a couple of different times saying that you thought Miles Morale would be the starting center this coming, uh, this coming fall. Are you still on no. that or are you backing no. off a no, little I've, bit? No, I've said, well, once we found out that Luke Wattenberg was moving over there, no, I did not think he would be the starting center this year. Now, if Luke Wattenberg gets hurt, maybe he's in the mix, but currently he's running third behind Melee and, uh, he's, He's sharing reps with Will Pliska, a uh, walk-on. Now, that that is nothing against Miles Morale. I think he's got a great future at the University of Washington. But to think that he's just going to be able to come in and surpass a guy who has two and a half years of starting experience 
at even though he's not at center, I mean, it was not at center that he has that starting experience. He does have that starting experience. He's smart. He's really reshaped his body as well. Luke Wattenberg, they're, they're raving about the work he did in the offseason. I don't see Mural playing this year. Um, well, I'm sorry, starting this year. I think, I think if he's ready physically, they'll let him get out there and get some reps because this year really doesn't count from an eligibility standpoint. Well, going over to wide receiver, Chris, um, they've got some young incoming guys. Rome Udunze's name seems to be coming up a lot. Uh, Austin Osborne has been mentioned several times. Um, but they've, they've got a stable of wide receivers out there too. So, um, different sizes, but they've got more big wide receivers than I've seen in a while. And if I think that they're going to have that, run heavy offense, you know, those bigger wide receivers that can block real well are going to be key. I think they are for sure. And, and it's, and it's not just Rome, but Jalen McMillan's been, McMillan's been talked about. Even Sawyer Racanelli's been talked about, which I wasn't necessarily, um, expecting simply because I, I thought that they would probably take a little bit more time with Sawyer because of his knee injury in high school and not being able to play his senior season. I thought maybe they would just allow him to kind of naturally get in it. But, you know, hey, kid's a competitor. I mean, he really wants to get in there and compete. You see him in the videos all the time. He's right in the action. He's not wearing a brace or doing anything like that. So all three of those freshmen have really shown up, which I think is pretty impressive. And it, and, and even talking to the players on the other side of the rooms, like the, 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 the DBs and those guys, they've been talking about Rome and Jalen as being guys that, that have made impacts. And then Jimmy on Friday talked about, hey, they, they keep showing up and they keep making plays in high leverage situations, which tells you they're getting acclimated really quickly and they're getting prepared to maybe be involved in the action at Cal for sure. So the other thing in terms of the size that you mentioned, I think that's been a very deliberate thing that Junior Adams has, has put together in his recruitment. And, and it goes all the way back to even guys he didn't recruit, like Ty Jones and Marcus Spiker. You know, you're talking about 6'4", six, 6'3", six, right there. Austin Osborne, 6'2". But then even Puka Nakua and then some of the younger, these, these younger guys are all 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". So yeah, I think they wanted to get bigger, taller across the board, and we're starting to see the benefits of that right now. Right, and Scott, one of the things that came out this week, Jimmy Lake announced that uh, Jack Westover, the kid out of Bellevue High School, had uh, been put on scholarship. And he was kind of a guy that, uh, you know, we kind of knew. He's not out of Bellevue. He's out of Mount Si, correct? Yeah, Mount Si. Yeah, and everything we'd heard about him is he was a super athletic kid. And, boy, he's paid dividends, but a nice addition to the tight end room, especially that now he's on scholarship. Absolutely, and, and Washington's old tight end coach, Jordan Pow Pow, could not have been more excited to get him in the class, especially as a walk-on, and and said, you guys, I remember him talking to me one time, um, kind of off the record, but you know, he knew that I'd share this eventually, but that he, he said, watch, he's, he might be the best guy we've got on the team if he can stay healthy. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, that includes KDOT and that included Hunter Bryant. And, and the reason why he said this was because he said, he said he's so big and athletic. He has no idea how good he can be because he's only played, he only played one year of, high school football because he blew out his knee in high school and and he was a basketball player and all this different stuff so he just had no idea what it really meant to play the game of football so he said you know one of the things pow pow said was 
once he figure, figures out all the different things we're asking him to do and, and gets it down, he goes, he, the sky is the limit for him. He's going to be able to do anything he wants. And, and I, I think the fact that he's on scholarship doesn't surprise me at all. Maybe it surprises me a little bit because I know the numbers are, were a little tight. So I didn't know if it would happen right away, but, um, definitely worth it. You're going to see him play a lot more, especially with Joe Kaiser or uh, Jacob Kaiser now gone. Um, and, uh, you know, Devin Culp has, has had a few moments here and there, but I think you'll see Devin Culp be more of a fullback, quote unquote, hybrid guy. And I think you'll see Westover in there quite a bit as the second or third tight end in this, uh, in the offense. Wow. A J- Joe Kaiser reference. Yes. I would, I, would, I would add too, guys, that when you look at it now with Jack Westover on scholarship, that means Washington has six Guys, six tight ends on scholarship right now, and that's not even including Jacob Kaiser, who is obviously still getting his education at Washington, but he's not, he's on the opt out list for COVID. So when you look at Otten, Culp, Westover, and then you add the Mark Redman, or yeah, Mark Redman, Mason West, Jack Geary, I mean, you, you've got body types that go anywhere from 6'3 to 6'6, from 2'3, 40 to or 225 230 to 250 plus um you know this is another thing that you you know obviously we're having to read between the lines because no one has seen what John Donovan's offense is going to look like but when you see six scholarship guys uh at the tight end position and we know how tight end was so important yeah. to Chris Peterson and the multiple attack with Bush Hamden and those guys in the last few years it just feels to me like they're stockpiling this talent because they're going to use them. And, well, I think, and don't be surprised if two and three tight end uh, formations and those things, they might end up being a staple of this of this uh, pro-style attack because they've got body types, they know how to use them, yeah. and they're trying to get bigger. Well, the game's changed, and you're seeing more two and three tight end sets. And, you know, you Jimmy Lake's talking about this is a pro-style offense. Take a look at what the Seahawks are doing. I mean, you take a look at these heavy run teams and they're putting two and three tight ends on the field at a time. So, I mean, I, what are you expecting, Scott? You know, just, you know, six to seven, maybe even eight tight ends on a roster because, you know, tight ends can be wide receivers, tight ends can be left tackles, tight ends can be right tackles, and tight ends can also be fullbacks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if we'll see as many as eight because numbers are so tight. I don't think a tenth of your roster is going to be, is going to be, um, tight ends but would it surprise me no but i don't think that's how it's going to end up but six seven maybe even eight yeah i could see it happening um washington likes big guys who can move um you know jimmy lake has been saying that over and over we want big guy the bigger the better uh but they, they got to be able to move so um you're going to see a lot of that i know a lot of people don't understand the caden jumper offer he just fits this offense perfectly if the coaches could talk about him right now i bet they'd say he, he, we, we can plug him in in three different spots, um, in this offense and he'd be a perfect fit for us. So, um, it's, you know, Washington, I don't think you're going to see a lot of three, three tight end sets. I think you'll see more three receiver sets than you'll see three tight end sets, but it's not going to be uncommon to see three tight ends out there and them just running downhill with, with, uh, their tailbacks. 
Quick word from our sponsors. When we return, we will jump over on the other side of the ball. What's going on in the defensive line, linebackers, as well as the defensive backfield. When we return, it is the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's light weight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com we are back i'm kim grenolds with chris better scott eckland just breaking down the roster talking about a little bit of the zoom calls that uh, we had this week so when we jump over to the defensive side of the ball scott we've got uh, a new coach in the backfield we've got some returnings Kind of a new old defensive coordinator, but let's just go ahead and start up front. Washington lost one guy, Saama Paama. Seemed to. What do we want to say he did? Quit? I mean, no, is that I don't want to say. I don't want to say he quit. I, what I want to say is he went back home to Hawaii, and he his he struggled um, to maintain his focus and and academics and everything like that, and and. I know that there was some consternation about the fact that they were, that he was struggling with his academics, especially with all the help that he gets, but it isn't in person help. It's over Zoom. And when you come from, and Chris, you've been out to Kaimuki and in its area, it's not the most wealthy area. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic because it's juxtap, there's a juxtaposition between where Kaimuki is, but it's, it's literally just like a half mile to a mile away from, Waikiki and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and where everyone goes to spend their holidays, holidays and, and, and the affluent part of downtown Honolulu. So yeah, if you just go on the other side of the Alawai Canal, you've got Kaimuki, you've got, you know, some of those areas where the locals are at. And, and it, there's definitely a, a stark difference between what you would see on the main drags in downtown Waikiki by the beach. And then if you just go inland, you know, a half mile to a mile, it changes pretty dramatically. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so just real quick though, I, I, my guess is he just really struggled being at home. And this is a situation, you know, we've talked about it several times during the off season and everything. These kids get so much help and they're, they're so cared for in this bubble. And it's not a true bubble, but in this bubble that they're in here at, the University of Washington and on any campus pretty much. So when they go home and they're left to their own devices, sometimes it just doesn't get done. And that's a big reason why Sama Paama is no longer on this team. And Scott, when you take a look at the defensive line, um, there are some young, talented guys along that defensive line that we really haven't seen yet, but big things are expected. Talk a little bit about those guys like uh, um, uh, Jacob Bandis, uh, Tuatele. I mean, there are some really talented young guys along there. Yeah, and I mean, I saw a play earlier this week where uh, Tui Tuatele uh, was making a play on, when uh, Jimmy reposted it. Jimmy Lake reposted it. So, um, and it, there were a couple other guys too. But um, anyway, he, you know, he's the guy that the coaches all thought would be able to play of of all the guys because Jacob Bandis. He came in early and we all thought he was going to play, but then he struggled with, he had a uh, appendicitis and had his appendix out and kind of wasn't able to work out for about six or seven weeks while he recovered from that and all that. And 
just all the different stuff that you, you deal with as a freshman and everything. And Washington honestly didn't really need him in the defensive line rotation. Now you can say that, that things, they might have worn down a little bit, but you had Josiah Bronson, you had Levi Anzarike, you had time, uh, Sam Taimani, Tuli Letu Ligasanoa, and you had a couple other guys that you could throw in there. Um, Benning Potoai was a guy that came in and, and did a lot on the inside as well. So, you know, they didn't necessarily need uh, either of those guys to play last year, and they didn't play very much. So they're all going to be redshirt freshmen this year. Um, I'm trying to think uh, Noah Nagalu, and is there one more that I'm missing? Well, Noah Nagalu is a guy that I think is going to surprise some people, but uh, a guy that doesn't get talked a lot about. And then you've got Jacob Bandis, whose big things are expected from Jacob, and he's listed at the roster at 6'2", 315. Yeah, I mean, he's been, a lot of people – assumed he would be the next Greg Gaines. I don't know if he's got that exact game, but yeah, I mean, he's got the same kind of body that Greg Gaines had and, and he can move. He's, he's, he can play the one, he can play the three, he can play the five, even he's got that kind of quickness. I, but I think Tuatelli is probably going to be out of that class is probably going to be your three tech. And then Bandis will probably be your nose with Noah Nagalu being able to kind of play both of those. And Chris, moving over to the linebackers, there seems to be a lot of, I mean, this is a young roster and it's got a lot of young talent and linebackers, no, uh, no exception when you've got, um, Eddie Ulafosio out there and then, you know, a guy that I know that they love, Zion, uh, Tupaola Fatui, uh, the, the wild card Jordan Lolohea who came back from his uh, mission as well as Savelle Smalls. But, um, talk a little bit about Jordan Lolohea, uh, Scott, because, you know, and I'll get back to Chris in a second, but, uh, you know, he was a guy that was, um, they took knowing he'd be on a mission. And Chris, who was the last guy that was on the mission, the offensive lineman who was 300 Willie pounds? Cava. Willie Cobb. Willie Cobb. And then he showed back up and he was like 215. Yeah, that, that wasn't Jordan Lolohea. So, um, <laughs> what, what I've heard about Lolohea is that he's actually moved to, to defensive line. So, um, I don't believe he's playing linebacker, uh, as an edge rusher outside linebacker right now. Yeah. And then Savelle Smalls is the guy that everybody's going to have their eye on, um, and big things expected from Savelle Smalls. Is that for me or for Chris? For you, Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Savelle, yeah, I mean, if, if you saw the picture that his mom posted, I mean, he's a physical specimen. Now, does it translate on the on the football field? He's got all the talent to be a, an all-world, a generational player for the University of Washington, but he hasn't done it as an outside pass rusher. He's been mostly as – he played mostly as an inside pass rusher last year for – uh for uh, Kennedy because he, they didn't want them just running away from him. So they put him in the middle of the line. And so teams had to kind of make a choice and he was an interior pass rusher. So um, he's 250 pounds. He can run. He, he's he got the mentality to kind of get after it and everything like that. But, you know, does it translate? We'll see. I think at the minimum, you're going to see him get five to 10 snaps a game let him get in there as an edge rusher in passing situations, especially against, I don't want to say, I mean, it, unfortunately there's no um, preseason, get, you know, OOC games, so they, he can't get in there against Utah State or Sac State. But, 
you know, he, I think against Oregon State, you could see him play a little bit more. I think again against Washington State, a team that's going to throw it 60 times a game, I think you're going to see him get in there quite a bit. I think Arizona, you might see him uh, get in there and, and run around and, and uh, get the chance to rush the quarterback. So lots of opportunities for him this year to prove that he could be the, ne- the, the next great pass rusher for the University of Washington. I think there's some good ones, but I think he's got the, ex- the uh, opportunity and the ability to become uh, basically put up Hallie Kakaha numbers, and I think that would be a, tremendous for this defense. And Chris, a couple of guys, you know, one that uh, I think high expectations coming in, and he had um, you start to play real well and got hurt last year was Leatu Latu, but uh, kind of the guy that we don't know a lot about, and he looks like he's put on quite a bit of weight, but everybody's looking for that pass rusher, and Braylon Trice, could he be that guy? Yeah, I think he's got an opportunity. I know that Pete Kwiatkowski has certainly mentioned him this fall. Um, you know, you look at it, 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 them trying to figure out who is going to play opposite Ryan Bowman um, at that outside linebacker slash rush end position. And I asked Jimmy Lake about it Friday, and he just basically said that that there's an opportunity for all those guys because they're going to rotate them, much like they rotate their interior guys. And so, you know, you've got, you know, you've talked, as Scott mentioned, you've got Latu, you've got Tupola Fatui, you've got Trice, um, you've got Smalls. They added Cooper McDonald to the outside linebacker group, which is interesting too, because when I noticed the video that you took him on Friday of some of the other, uh, like the inside positions and whatnot, that, uh, that he might have been, maybe he's even fluctuating a little bit between inside and outside, but, it is interesting that they they like him as a as a rush guy, and to be honest with you, it's kind of funny because um, he reminds me just a little bit of um, who was the wrestler from Wyoming, uh, Tevis Bartlett. He kind of reminds me of maybe a little bit bigger version of Tevis Bartlett, a guy that can rotate and do a lot of different things along that outside or along that linebacker position to the point where he could be maybe a guy that could play potentially all four positions. And we know how the, the, the coaches love that kind of versatility. So ultimately, I think it's going to be another situation where, um, just like they did with the defensive lineman with Akaika Malloy and even before him, Jeff Choate, they love those hockey shift style rotations. And, um, what's going to be interesting is, is that it would have been Bowman and, and Joe Tryon, the, the initial pairing. And then you probably would have seen Latu and Tupola Fatui be that next logical duo to come off the bench. But now you've got Trice, you've got Smalls, you've even got maybe Lola Hea that can do some things situationally. I know Pete Kwiatkowski said that he still needs some time to get done with his, his conditioning and get back up to football speed because of all the time lost serving his mission. But they have bodies, they're talented, and yeah. they're big. And that's the one thing, too. I think across the board, we talked about size on offense. Look at the size on defense. We saw Levi Anzarike get down to like 285, 290 the last year or so. But now you're seeing if you're below 300 pounds along the defensive line, for instance, you're not considered very big. We don't talk about a guy like Draco Bynum anymore. But Draco Bynum's even getting bigger. He's at, he's listed at 270 on, on the Go Huskies uh, roster. So across the board, guys are getting bigger on both sides. And I'm really eager to see how that size manifests itself 
and also whether or not they're still able to maintain their speed because they right. have to play fast in order to to be effective on this defense. And Scott, when you took a look at the inside linebackers, you've got Eddie Ulafosio, who's been put on scholarship, and backing up him will be Jackson Sermon, you know, who uh, I like a lot. And then some of the other guys, I know that they love MJ Tafisi, Alfonso Tupatala is a local guy. A guy that came in with a lot of fanfare, Daniel Hamuli, was injured last year, so we didn't get to see a lot of him, but another guy who was recovering from an injury is Mickey Ayu, and that's a guy that uh, I know the people from rave about Mickey Ayu, and Josh Calvert, of course, uh, was playing quite a bit before his injury as well. Yeah, well, for, first of all, I mean, Bob Gregory said if, the, if they were playing a game this weekend, um, Sermon and Ulafosio would be your starters, and and then MJ Tafisi would be one of the guys, and then I uh, I'm trying to remember who the second one or who the other one was. Chris, do you remember? I think it, I think it may have been Hamuli, just because he broke them down and said basically their middle linebacker position is their one that has to go sideline to sideline, like mm-hmm. how they use Ben Burkirvan, and he said that Ulafosio, Tafisi, and Hamuli were probably the three guys that would have been in the depth at that middle linebacker spot, which meant you've got Sermon, you've got Tupatala, IU, and then the also one, Josh Patala. Yeah, it was Tupatala who would, who would like, it, it, the, the second two would be Tupatala and Tafisi. That's who, I for some reason, I always forget about Tupatala. <laughs> I don't know why. I watched the guy several times and loved the way he played. But uh, He was right the now, only one that actually played last year, yeah, too. Yeah, for the, for the young guys, definitely. So, um, you know, so your, your top four, at least right now, I mean, we still got what, two and a half or three weeks from, from today, you know, that, um, they're looking, so they still got a lot of time before they really have to make a decision on who's going to play. But, uh, you know, Kim, you mentioned Mickey Ayu. Everybody said he is one of the most underrated guys that Washington has picked up in a long time. And a lot of that was because, he was on the smaller side for a for a linebacker, but they they're everybody said from a physicality standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from his instincts and all the different things that he could do. Mickey Ayu is a guy that a lot of people need to know about. I just think it might be another year before we really get to see what he can do. I think this year is going to be all about special teams for him, and then we go from there. When we jump into the defensive backfield, I mean, the key question for me is how the heck are they going to get Kyler Gordon on the field? I think he's the best athlete on the team. I don't think it's even close, but, uh, you know, Kyler Gordon, how are they going to get him on the field, Chris? Well, they have options. They have plenty of options. Um, I know he's getting groomed uh, to be a nickel guy that can play inside or outside. Um, talking to Keith Taylor, um, he raved about him as a, as a, as a guy that can be one of those cover corners along with him and Trent McDuffie and Dominique Hampton and some of these other younger kids that are coming through. Um, but they'll, he'll make a difference on defense, but then he'll also make a difference on special teams. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but he's certainly one of the names out there in terms of, uh, of being a, an impact return guy as well. But yeah, Kyler Gordon is a guy that's got to get on the field. And in this nickel base, you've got an opportunity to put your top five defensive backs out there. So I, I, I would think that there's a, a real competition right now between him and Keith Taylor and Trent McDuffie, Dominique Campton, to try to get one of those cover corner spots. Um, could I see him even as a maybe a free safety? You never know. I think that Cameron Williams and Asa Turner have done a real good job shoring that stuff up, and they've also got a senior out there in Brandon McKinney. 
Uh, Alex Cook is involved in that, so they've got some players there. But, yeah, I mean, they've got to get a guy like him out there. And, hey, this is another opportunity for them to rotate guys in and show their depth, keep guys fresh, and just keep uh, death row hammering it, guys, uh, from an attacking standpoint to uh, put offenses uh, on their heels. Scott, you know those moments that it's kind of, wait, what? Those wait, what moments? Dominic Hampton, 6'2", 220. Is that one of those? Uh, it was for me. I I don't like to see corners at 220 pounds, but if he can move, of course. I mean, that's unbelievable. But I does that mean they're grooming him for safety? I I don't know. You know, I mean, 220 pounds, yikes. That's That's a bit on the heavy side, in my opinion. But when we have been able to see him play, number one, he was on special teams – He's physical. I mean, he is really, really he is. physical. He is, but can you turn and, and run with wide receivers at, at 220 pounds? I just, there aren't a lot of guys who can do that. I'm not saying he can't be one of those guys, but that's a rare find. If you can find that guy that can be 220 pounds, sit, what is he, 6'1, 6'2, whatever six he is? 6'2, 220. Yeah, 6'2, 220. I mean, that's a safety. That's t- typically a safety. So maybe they make him a slot guy because he can be real physical with some of those slot guys that they're bringing down. I mean, Washington's getting really big at the slot receiver spot with Sawyer Racanelli, with Ty Jones, with uh, Austin Osborne there. Those are some big physical guys, and maybe that's where a lot of teams are starting to go. So maybe a guy like Dominic Hampton could be that guy. But uh, I think a uh, move to safety might be in the offing. We'll have to just wait and see, though. Well, one of the guys, his names come up from, you know, not only, you know, the coaches, but the other players. Well, um, you know, Cameron Fabikulan, and he's six one, one eighty five, going to be a redshirt freshman, but his name seems to be popping up too. Yeah, That's we didn't the get beautiful to... part about it though, yeah. right? Death Row. I mean, they're 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 they roll in line ever since Jimmy Lake came to Washington. They've been rolling DBs. You know, they bring them in, they develop them, they send them to the league. And this is why you always have guys coming through. I mean, you look at the freshman crew, they've got four legitimate defensive backs there. When you talk about Jacoby Covington, James Smith, Mikel Esteen, um, Elijah Jackson, I mean, there are, those are the future. And, um, you'd love to see how well they could perform maybe on special teams this year, for instance. But you can't forget about a guy like Cameron Fabikalanen. You can't forget even about a guy like Alex Cook who moved the defense to try to get on the field and play. So there's plenty of talent. I, the other thing I'd say real quick about uh, Dominique Hampton is that, first of all, in talking to Elijah Molden, Molden said that uh, that Hampton might take offense to being considered that big. He thinks he's probably more like 210, 215. But even so, I think the opportunity exists third downs, short yardage, red zone, you know, in you know, inside the five, those types of things. If you want to bring in a guy who can be be a guy that can play a little bit on the edge but can also maybe impact the game if, if if teams try to spread you out a little bit. You know, now you have a guy that can play physical right at the line of scrimmage in, in tight situations. So I think there's there's definitely opportunities for a bigger defensive back like Dominique Hampton uh, to play in this particular defense. And my sleeper over on the defensive uh, backfield side of the ball, my sleeper is a guy that was really high re- highly recruited, Big get. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy, and that's Julius Irvin. Um, highly touted guy. Uh, I, I think that's a guy who could really jump out, Scott. Yeah, I fully agree with you too. I, you know, I, I think the the key is where's he going to play. You know, I mean, right now you've got 
Brandon McKinney with more experience than he has. You've got uh, Asa Turner and Cam Williams. You've got Cameron Fabi Kulanen who's playing some uh, safety as well. So, you know, Alex Cook is also there. He, you know, even though he's moved over from wide receiver uh, last year, still, you know, he's a he's a big body who can go up and get the ball. So, you know, Julius Irvin, I think, it might have to look for a spot at corner if if he wants to get off the field. I mean, it's just this team is so loaded in that secondary right now, and uh, he might still have another year that he has to wait before they figure that out. And Chris, when we're taking a look at Asa Turner, boy, he looks like he's hit the weight room. Yeah, no, I mean they they all look actually really good. And I asked Jimmy Lake Friday about um, kind of the unique and creative methods that the players utilized to um, try to keep the competition up while they were at home. Um, it sounds like, uh, especially talking to Sean McGrew, they had some things via their own positional Zoom meetings and whatnot where they were required to do what I think they, they were calling them finishers where they had like three minute things where they were doing, you know, just basic routines like push-ups or, or running sprints or whatever, but they had to videotape them and then send them so that they could basically, you know, track them within their own groups. And so people could see who was being held accountable, who wasn't doing as well as they should have been. And so I think it's really shown up in terms of the conditioning. And you look at a guy like Asa Turner. I mean, he's already built at 6'3", 200. He could probably easily get to 210 and and not miss a beat. So, um, again, it just kind of goes with this theme of guys getting bigger, faster, stronger and and taking this time during the pandemic to really focus on their on what they could do for themselves in terms of their conditioning, in terms of their physicality and their athleticism, and making the most of it. You know, Chris, that sounds like a good idea. I want both you and Scott to take videos of uh, you doing your workout, your push-ups, your chin-ups, and Scott chasing the kids around, and then email them to me a little bit later, okay? Well, if you want yeah. a video of me working on a treadmill going like a mile an hour, I'll I'll be more than happy to send that to you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Scott, before we wrap this up, anything on recruiting we need to touch bases on? I know it's kind of slow out there. Yeah, it's just, you know, the coaches are so focused on um, getting ready for the season. I don't think you're going to have a lot of major news. I know that they've been doing some Zoom calls with some 2022 guys and doing some uh, stuff with 2021, you know, some of their just keeping up with their – their uh, recruits that they've gotten committed and everything. Only two of them are playing currently. Only two Husky commits are playing right now, and that's Void Tanufi, the defensive lineman out of Utah, and Caleb Berry, the running back out of Texas. And other than that, you know, what do they have? 16 guys, I think, in the class. So there's 14 guys who haven't even played their senior season yet or aren't even starting really until January. I think the first game for a lot of guys in California is that second or third weekend of January and Washington, I think starts in early February. So that's when things will really heat up on keeping an eye on how guys are doing and everything like that. But uh, yeah, there's not a ton going on. That's really, I don't want to call it not newsworthy, but it's just, you know, it's not going to move the needle for you if you're a big, if you want, if you're expecting big news. Who is there big movements? Is there a guy that's close to committing at this point in time? To my knowledge, no one's super close. I just published a five, next five who could woof um, story, and I think there's some guys who could pop here in the next month or so. But if we're talking about, you know, if we're talking about 
coming close to committing this week or next week or something like that, I don't think you're you're going to see anything before Thanksgiving. All right. Hey, just real quick, Chris, just uh, keep it short. I want to wrap this up, but uh, anything else, uh, any final thoughts? Well, just would be remiss not to, to, to at least touch a little bit on special teams. Um, I know that they're extremely excited about Jaden Green, the freshman uh, long snapper. Um, it sounds like he's just kind of picking up where A.J. Cardi left off. So that don't, don't expect any drop off in that particular position. Obviously you've got Peyton Henry coming back. He should be rock solid. And then you've got Tristan Brown, the JC punter who's coming in. I would expect him to partner up with uh, race Porter, just kind of like what they did last year in terms of kind of mixing and matching based on situation, how they want to do punting. And again, when you, when you talk about return guys, I think that the two guys that have really been mentioned have been Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. Uh, Aroma Dunze has also been a name that has been uh, thrown out there a little bit by the coaches in terms of a potential return guy. Now, whether that's kick return, punt return, we're not sure yet. Um, they certainly have other options that have been there before, like a Sean McGrew, for instance. But I think they like this uh, this infusion of talent uh, in trying to get some guys that could make an impact in the return game a little bit. And then also you you guys touched on Julius Irvin, for instance. I think he's a guy that could be a special teams phenom and really kind of jumpstart his career that way to be able to make it a difference on defense because there's so many guys that we've seen that have done damage as a, as a special teamer in the return game and the cover game that have gone on to huge things uh, on the uh, on respective sides of the ball. So I just think overall it's been it sounds like it's been a super competitive camp so far. Uh, we're only through uh, I think practice seven or eight at this point so there's they've still got a long way to go three weeks to go but uh, i think there's definitely reasons for washington fans to be really excited about uh, the possibility of what these guys could do scott to wrap it up any final thoughts anything else lots of big physically talented guys on this team but a lot of them are really young so it's going to be a growing process but i think this program is on a great trajectory right now i think uh, if they can figure out the quarterback situation, they've got a chance to go, you know, five and one this year in their quote unquote regular season. I think they've got a decent chance of possibly even winning the Pac-12 North and going to that Pac-12 championship game. I, I think it's, I think the opportunity is there. It's really going to be how they develop these guys and put them in position to win. Football has started a little bit. So, uh, hopefully we can get this, uh, fall camp to pass by quickly so we can get into that Cal game. And then shortly after that, we're going to be starting basketball. It looks like on November 25th. So anyways, uh, lots of stuff coming up at dogman.com. Just keep it here. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 